In the Gospel of John, Jesus and his disciples have been having a hard time. It's been really difficult. A lot of things have been going on. And chapter 14 is placed in the context of coming after all of this trouble as a word of comfort, especially to the disciples. He is saying that in my mansion, or in my house, my father's house, there are many rooms. He he begins by saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Now think about that. Why would there be many rooms in God's house? It's because that there are a lot of different people. He was telling the disciples that you guys are all different. They have different vocations. They have different temperaments. They come from different socioeconomic places. They have a variety of personalities from shy and retiring to impetuous Peter. But in God's house, there's room for everybody. For all kinds of personalities. For the rich and for the poor. Just for everybody. And he wanted them to know that because they had been through such difficult times. You see, even people like the disciples could draw different conclusions. And in fact, they were contradictory conclusions at times. They would think they understand Jesus, but then Jesus says, No, no, you don't get it. Hmm, how that's like us sometimes. We don't get it. But good, reasonable people can draw different conclusions. And that comes out of our experience, the information that we have, and who we are. I alluded once in a sermon some months ago about my son, Dwayne, who is in the Air Force, and the fact that I am a pacifist. Now, even that is... uh, just a little bit conflictual because not everybody agrees with someone who is a pacifist. I don't believe in the violence of war against other nations. That has been a stand for me all of my life. And other people have drawn other conclusions. Some of you have been in the military yourself. And some of you have children who are in the military and even serving in a war zone right now. My son knew that I was a pacifist. But after college and he was a teacher in Flagstaff, Arizona, he was very much a Christian man and a prayerful man, married with a couple of kids, and for whatever reason, he determined that he should go into the Air Force. And he managed to get into the Air Force, even though he knew I would not have chosen that path for him. And I certainly would never have chosen it for myself. Potential for huge conflict. But Dwayne is really smart. He came to me and he's very sensitive to my feelings. And he said, Dad, this is something I feel called to do. 
He talked about it with his pastor. He prayed about it. He came to a different conclusion than I have come to. And they were contradictory conclusions. And so now, when I introduce my son, Dwayne, to people, I say, oh, he's my son who's the professional killer. That's a joke. You can laugh. I I say that because his job in the Air Force is to fly in an F-15 Strike Eagle, which is one of the biggest and baddest fighting machines that's ever been made. And he is the weapons systems operator. He shoots the rockets, drops the bombs, and fires the guns. He has served in Iraq. He is going back to an active squadron and probably will go to Afghanistan in the spring. We have come to diametrically oppose and absolutely conflicting conclusions. Though we read the same Bible, though we pray to the same God, and I love my son with all my heart. And in fact, I'm proud of him because I raised him to think on his own, to draw his own conclusions. To be prayerful and thoughtful and to be sensitive to other people. But ultimately, that he was free to make his own decisions. So I'm proud of my son, even though we don't agree on this. And that's one of the things that I think the Gospel of John is trying to to tell us. People in the church, reasonable people can have differing opinions, even about things that we hold very deeply in our lives. In other words, God's house is a big, huge tent that holds a lot of people, a a wide variety of people, of all shapes and colors, ethnic backgrounds, sexual identity, everything that makes us different, right-handed and left-handed, people who have, um, who have extra appendages. I knew a guy who had six toes one time. God loves all. And God's house is big enough and welcoming enough for everyone who calls upon Him. This is very much an American Baptist understanding. It is soul liberty or soul freedom. So the foundational thought within the Baptist tradition. And that is that we have to have our own sense of our relationship with God. And we have to own our own faith. One person said that Soul liberty means that we are shaping one's own relationship with God. But I have to tell you that that is embedded now, embeds within every congregation conflict. Because we don't think alike. Because we draw contradictory or differing conclusions. And so immediately we are going to be conflicted. Because we think differently. But the other principle of American Baptist tradition is that we seek unity, even in our differences, even in the things that are 
uh, where we disagree about things. Unity is unity is having an authentic relationship with one another. We're not just glassing over or smoothing over the rough spots so we sort of smile and get along. That would not be an authentic sense of unity. If I just put on a happy face for the family when my son is around but really was angry with him in my heart, that would not be love. I can't say, well, Jesus tell me I have, I have to love him, so I'll love him, but I really hate him. I, I can't do that. We can't do that because that is not the unity in Jesus Christ that we are called to live out in a local congregation under the tent of God's house. This sense of a false unity is not what Jesus is calling us to be about. If you come to church thinking that church is the place where there is no conflict and we're just all lovey-dovey, then you're missing the boat. You're in the wrong place. This ain't it for you folks. Because we know that it is in the challenging of one another's thoughts and beliefs that we grow stronger. Not that we, not that we fight about it, but that rather we strengthen one another as we seek to grow and understand. And then later in John 14, this is where it starts to get good. John 14, verse 12a says, Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And what Jesus has been doing in the chapters leading up to this is two things. He has been loving and he has been dealing with pushback. He has been loving. If you thumb through the chapters that lead up to chapter 14, you will see that Jesus has been doing the triumphal entry, which we call Palm Sunday now, into Jerusalem, bringing victory and newness. He washed the disciples' feet. He's raised Lazarus from the dead. He has helped Uh, build a closer relationship with his friends in Bethany, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He's been doing all of these things, building up the body of Christ, his disciples, and his friends. And he's been loving people, people who doubted him and people who didn't understand him. But he was also dealing with pushback. Pushback meaning those who would stand opposed to him. He was threatened. He foretold that Peter would deny him. He said that one of his disciples would betray him. All of this is pushback and it's leading up to this chapter where he finally gives us a word of hope and peace and encouragement. But he's been dealing with conflict. I mean, when you're putting on a, a bulletproof vest before you put on your preaching robe, you know you've developed a whole firestorm of conflict. And there are places where that goes on. Jesus was experiencing the same thing. 
They were threatening his life. Verse 12 in that first half says that we're going to be doing the things that Jesus was doing. So how is First Baptist Church and how are you doing what Jesus calls us to do? And that is to be loving people. I think we're doing it through um, our relationship building. I see on the board out here that there are some shut-ins where we're arranging for rides for them to come to church. We're going to be having a tea with some folks who are going to be parish visitors. We have a prayer network within the telephones so that when we have a prayer request, we can do it through the telephones or we can do it through electronic means, through email. There are many ways that we support one another, and that is showing Jesus' love. We also are showing love through our programs. We, we have our current beacon that we just have mailed out and sent to the congregation. And this talks about all of the wonderful ways that we are going to be supporting our friends and family at First Baptist Church as we begin the new program year. Our programs are designed to be a part of the love of Jesus Christ. This is called the beacon because this is the newsletter that tells us how we can shine in the community and before God. And so at First Baptist Church, we are indeed loving as Jesus has commanded us. But the other thing is, just like Jesus, we're experiencing pushback. Pushback is that opposition that builds. And every time that I have seen a program or a congregation beginning to experience some success, I have noted that there is some anti-success forces. It is like a magnetic force that builds up power and it is restraining. It's like uh, pushing away the success. And I think that it is unconscious. I don't think that it's intentional. It's people acting and reacting. But let's face it. We as First Baptist Church are experiencing pushback. People who are unhappy about this or that or other things. And so it is very much a part of Jesus' plan that as we are loving, we're also having to deal with pushback from the congregation, the community, uh, even within ourselves. Gene Robinson has known pushback. He is the Episcopal Bishop of New Hampshire. And he has received death threats because he is a gay man living in a relationship. And he asked the question, is God's tent big enough for me? Not, not too long ago, the police stopped a man for erratic driving in New Hampshire. And when he, you know, handed over his driver's license and car registration to the officer, they saw that lying on his front seat was a shotgun. And so they asked him to step out of the car. 
when they went to investigate, it was a loaded shotgun. And it had map quest maps showing him how to get to Gene Bishop Gene Robinson's house. There hadn't even been a threat. You see, Gene calls this gospel trouble. Because when you're telling God's truth, when you're trying to live in love, whether it be back in the 60s when we were dealing with civil rights or in the 70s when we were working with women's rights, any time that you're trying to live out the love of God in all of its inclusivity, you're putting yourself in danger, in harm's way. Now, most of us don't have to worry about death threats. But a congregation does experience sort of the anti-forces. But that's to be expected. We are to do what God, what Jesus did. And we are being called to do what Jesus did. That is, loving people in all of the ways that we can love. And dealing with whatever the results are. The pushback when it comes. But then... The Gospel of John goes to the second half of this sentence that speaks to us as well. And the second half says, the one even, let's see, I have to start back. It says he, but the he stands for anyone who has faith in Jesus will do even greater things than these because I am going to my Father doing even greater things than what Jesus did. That's what God is saying to us as we begin this new program year. As we begin to try to reshape who we are before God. That it is scriptural. It is John 14 that challenges us to tell us to do what Jesus has been doing, but also to do even more, to do greater things. Oh, what might that look like? I don't know. But we're going to do that together. We're going to discern together what God would have us do. We're going to be working as a community of faith. And we will have clashes. We will have, we will draw contradictory conclusions. But together, one of our principles as American Baptists is that we allow the body to decide the direction we're going to go. And God has promised us that we can do greater things. And you know what? God said it. I believe it. Let's have courage. Okay? Let's step out into the future. And to do it, trusting God and God's love. Because it is sufficient. Amen.